Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, and uh, making us the best in Baltimore. Uh, today, I have the privilege, the pleasure of being in conversation with the fifth generation owner of Otterbein Cookies. Otterbein Cookies has been a Baltimore tradition since 1881. Please welcome Ben Otterbein. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. Say I gave that kind of boxing style. If I can find a way to figure out the stream deck, I'll have like the 96 bowls music happening (laughs) (laughs) and applause when everyone comes in. Um, But yeah, man, how's it going today? Good. It's good. Today's a a unique day. Out of the office today, I'm working from home. So it's got to do that every once in a while. I get so sucked into everything once once I'm in the shop. Yeah, I dig it. Um, I'm currently working from home, and I'm in the illustrious uh, Truth in This Art Studios. There's just a green screen behind me. That's all we got. It's I'm, I'm in a basement. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, so could you share how like you because I because it's it's a family legacy, obviously fifth generation. And I saw an interview where you're like, eh, I knew like the last couple of generations. I don't go that far back. So tell me what tell me your story as it relates to getting into the cookie business and ultimately. What would you say your family's legacy is? Sure. Kind of born into it, right? And so it's that's why this question's always uh it's probably unique, but it's always neat to find other people because uh that are in family businesses because it's a it's a typical story. Um so I I started working at the bakery when I was I don't know, seven. <laughs> um I, you laugh, but you know, I, I, that was just summer vacations, right? I, I kind of just always had this assumption. That's what everyone did at summer vacation. You go to work with dad. Yeah. Um, and so I have two siblings. I have an older brother and a younger sister and, um, just vivid memories of, of working at the shop and, um, you know, just being around it my entire life. Um, it, it, it's strange now looking back, um, because it really is just kind of life now. So, I was involved up in, into through high school. Yeah. Um, when I graduated high school, I thought that's what I wanted to do was run the shop. Um, but being 18, 19, you don't know what you want to do. Uh, so I worked there for a few years and, um, I was running the floor uh, with my dad. Um, so when I say the floor, I mean the production floor. Um, and you know, I just, it, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So I went away to Philadelphia and I went to school and became a web developer, um, you know, totally left field turn. Um, and I started working with, when I graduated, I started to work with a really neat startup, um, building websites for small companies. And so I quickly became um, a project manager. And as project manager, um, I was able to help people solve business problems. And I loved doing it um, more than I loved coding. And so after about a year, year and a half of that, you know, it just kind of fell into place. My dad was talking about retiring, um, which kind of scared me, right? I mean, so it kind of did something in my head of like, hmm, time's ticking. Um, And so, uh, you know, I tried, we were on vacation and I was like, dad, what do you think? Like, what if I came back and I helped, you know, run the show? Um, He thought I was kidding. Uh, just, just like, don't mess with me. Like, that'd be awesome, but don't mess with me. That's not funny. Yeah. Uh, but I was dead serious. And, you know, um, my girlfriend at the time, wife, wife now, um, was totally on board and we said, let's move. Let's go back to Maryland. And, uh, we did. And, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Um, you know, I just kind of 
Uh, and I, even coming back, you know, it was for him, it was, it was young, fresh ideas. Um, and for me, it was just a new opportunity and, and just the ability to recognize what we have right. as a family um, and really make some tactful decisions about what we want to do. Um, and I think, you know, I've been, that was eight years ago now. Um, and, and, you know, where we are today is, is in a very different spot than even we were then. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it just kind of, like I said, it's just kind of always life, you know, it's, it's, it's always even speaking with employees now, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's this fine line between work and life. It is, you know, it just has always been. Um, and so I, I'm, I love it now. There was a point where I didn't, um, you know, growing up during the summers, it's, it's not fun getting up at five thirty in the morning, uh, to go, uh, you know, do some menial tasks. And, you know, at the time I was just scrubbing dishes and cleaning big bowls and mixers and getting dirty. Um, but it's very different now, you know, now, now I'm, I'm running the show and I love it. I absolutely love it. So it's, uh, it's neat to kind of think back because it, it is a, a long road and there's still a lot of road ahead. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that. Cause, uh, I think, when it gives you a perspective of it being something that's part of your family's legacy, it gives you perspective and being there as a, a young person, uh, like, you know, this is, this is summer. Okay. All right. Trying to, trying to scrub these bowls, yep. um, versus being in this leadership position and, you know, one, your name's, your name is on the bags, you know what I mean? And that's, that's a whole different kind of like appreciation and, and love for it. And I, I go to this, you know, this artist quote about, um, and I think it's a we we was like um, art and life. You don't really separate the two. And I think a lot of times when you're in that spot, whether it's art, whether it's your business, whatever your obsession is, if you're unable to really separate them, you got to have gaps. You got to have periods mm -hmm. where you're doing something different. It makes you come back with a different perspective and a new love for it. But really, it should be, I would think something that you're you're working on or working towards every day whether it's having like like i have right here my idea book you can't really see it but my idea book i'm always writing down new ideas of this would be a neat interview or this is a neat question and i could be doing something completely different and i would imagine the same thing is, is something that you probably discovered and being in this role of being the owner for the last eight years yeah yeah 100 percent. a little bit of pressure there yeah look just a skosh uh <laughs> So I read that your your business is focused on family, culture, and traditions as embodied in baking great cookies. Speak speak more on that, and and what are some of the traditions baked into Hotterbein? I said that so smugly. <laughs> baked into ah, sometimes I write questions. I'm like, come on, Rob, can you can you be less punny? I like it. Um, yeah, it, it goes back to I got to give credit to to my dad, my grandfather. I mean, those those are the two generations I obviously have uh, memory of, and I, I can't speak on anything past that. But the bakery has always been, in some way, an extension of family. I mean, there's stories of my grandfather that employees would stay with him. Um, I mean, you know that that's just because they didn't have a place to stay, but he would bring them in, and it was um, it just became family. I mean, I, there's there's probably 10 employees that have just their names are almost synonymous um, to the shop through my, you know, just history and stories. Um, and, you know, so I think I was brought up in that, that mindset of, yeah. look, we're a company, but employees, they're more than that. Without them, we're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. And so I think it gives me a really clear appreciation for everyone that I bring inside the building and 
um, I recognize that that I can't do what I want to do without those people. Um, and so it, it's just kind of, I think, been ingrained in in me and ingrained in the business. Um, you know, I mean, we have employees that, uh, you know, have been with us for 10 years, you know, yeah. and, and that, that feels really great. And, you know, so many people are Mr. This or Miss That um, at the shop. And it's just, it's out of 100% respect. And because, like I said, I, I can't do this alone, um, you know, and, and it's a team mentality and uh, making cookies is not easy. It's it's a tough job and you, ha- you have to appreciate the people um, that are, they're doing the hard stuff, right? I mean, I used to clean those big bowls. I know how <laughs> tough it is, right? Um, you know, and I have a mentality that uh, anything that I ask an employee to do, I'd be more than happy to do, um, you know, and, and work hand side by side uh, with employees. And, you know, by doing that, it just, it, it feels like a family. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just becomes synonymous. And so the fact that, yeah, we're five generations, but we also just do a really good job, I think, of building a, a community and a family around the business as well. And and I think, yeah, it's great to hear that because I think, you know, with COVID and all of these fallouts that are still coming here where the shift in how people look at um, employment, you know, we have a recession or um, we have uh, all of these other things, inflation and all happening and this work shortage that is happening, I think these are things that were already existing, like the reasoning why people are leaving jobs versus they're not being jobs. And I think, you know, people who were doing good by their employees and recognizing some of the things that you've touched on that, you know, this is like family, this is community oriented. This is a, this is a thing. It can't just be, you're a cog in it. And that's what keeps people around. And I hear that notion from a lot of people that are in these great leadership positions that are, that are kind of acknowledging, you know, that, I can't bake these cookies. It's one of the things I say about doing this. Like people ask me, why isn't this a video podcast yet? And I was like, well, I can't film it, edit it, talk. I can't do all of those things. Um, So as I grow, then those things come in. And I think with successful businesses that have a good culture, it's, it's acknowledging that, that, you know, people in a true sense, people are our best asset outside of making what we make, whatever it might be. I think, you know, people being at the forefront and establishing and maintaining a great culture is important. 100%. 100%. So I want to talk about cookies right now. I know that's a really weird way to get into it, but uh, could you share how new cookie flavors are decided on? And I have several of the bullet points after this because I'm a person that enjoys cookies. But, you know, I, I've seen seasonal things. I've seen those mainstays that are there. Um, <clears throat> chocolate chip, chocolate chip. So... How are new cookies decided on, like new flavors that occasionally may pop up as a seasonal thing or even like we're going to try something new? Tell me about that. Sure. So kind of a good segue from just where we were. So, um, you know, while while we feel like we have a pretty strong presence um, in the marketplace, we're not that big. In the big scheme of things, we're pretty tiny. And so there's no R&D team. There's no, uh, you know, secret test kitchen with you know, seven people back there just doing their thing. So it doesn't happen very often, short answer. So in the past, in my tenure uh, from being back, it's only happened twice. So the first time we were kind of, uh, our, our hand was kind of forced, but in the best way possible. So we had this amazing partnership with Flying Dog Brewery. And they had approached us and said, uh, we want to make a cookie or we want to make a beer that pairs with your cookie. So think cheese and wine, right? Um, And so when we started this project, we thought, okay, that's cool. We can do that. And then they came back and said, what if we did four beers 
that paired with four cookies? And we said, yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> so year when year one happened and we thought that was the end. Um, fast forward, I think we ended up doing it three years in a row. And year three, they were like, uh, you know, why don't you guys try to bring something to the table? Yeah. Uh, so it was a challenge for sure. So uh, it was literally spitballing in the office. You know, <laughs> let's come up with top 10 ideas uh, and let's see what we can come up with. And so for that iteration, we came up with an orange white chocolate chip cookie. I remember that one. Yeah. So it tasted like a creamsicle and it was delicious. Um, we don't make it anymore at the moment. I think there will be a day it comes back. There is a, there is a cult of people that, uh, we still get questions, <laughs> you know, like, where is it? When is it coming back? So I think there will be a day, but you know, it's like anything you're, you're only so big, right? We only have so much bandwidth. There's only so much we can do. People love those chocolate chip cookies. And so we need to make sure we can keep up with that. Um, so when we discontinued that, we we thought it'd be fun to just come up with another one. Like, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Um, we had learned a lot of things from rolling out. That was the first cookie in over a decade. Wow. Um, yeah. So not something we were good at or used to or well-versed in. I mean, there was learning, right? <laughs> just along the way. Um, and so when we decided to come up with the second one, it wasn't much different from a development standpoint. Uh, I got to give kudos to my Uncle Paul. Uh, that was all him. Um, we would, we were playing with a couple ideas and we even, we have some really, it, it's a yellow spiral notebook. Um, and it's one of the few things that I have, um, from the old bakery. Um, and it's just handwritten recipes, but man, this thing is a relic. It has egg wash all over it. It's a mess. Some recipes are just not legible any longer. So, you know, we, we tried to look through that and we had, you know, different ideas of like, well, what if we came out with like a legacy edition? So something that we used to do that we don't do anymore. Um, but we ended up landing on. So, uh, one day Paul came in and was just like, man, guys, I tried this at home and I've been playing with this recipe and it was the double chocolate chip cookie. Um, and we all were just like, man, this is good. Uh, so, so after uh, some, some fine tuning, I mean, but again, there's nothing fancy. It's making, uh, you know, just making a small batch in, in a KitchenAid mixer and, and trying it out until we're totally convinced we love it. And then we scale up from there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's nothing, there's no secret sauce. It's, uh, it's just, you know, as, as long as we have confidence in it and we feel like if we love it, we're really, uh, you know, the only thing the public will love it. And so far, so good. People seem to really like the double chocolate. Nice. And I, and I think it's funny, like, it's like, you know, you touched on before we got started, you know, doing more interviews and you like each one of my separate bullet points you got through in your answer. So kudos to you. Big shout out to you. Um, so now your, your cookies are distinct, they're, but they're simple, but and, and simply put, they don't, they don't miss. They don't miss ever. Uh, and when I travel to see relatives outside of the city, like I'll go to Jersey. And I remember distinctly going to the beach in Jersey. And, you know, our relatives weren't happy to see us as much as they like, oh, you brought the red bag. Great. And <laughs> there's nothing happier. It's like, oh, hey, can I get a hug? No, no, just give me those. Just give me the chocolate chip cookies. I need those. Sure. So what within the process? And obviously, we're not talking trade secrets here, but what within the process um, of, of making the cookies or, or, or the branding that's around it because that bag is, you know, recognizable in the whole like process, what would you say is the most crucial part of the whole auto buying process, you know, from batch to market, the whole thing that you feel that like maybe other cookie companies, other brands locally might miss. Um, you know, when one of my favorite, uh, 
pitches is, you know, everything that's in our cookies, you most likely have in your kitchen. Um, and if you keep it simple, that's what makes good food, right? So, I mean, when my great, great, great grandfather came over from Germany, there was nothing special. It was his recipe that, you know, that had like five things in it. Um, and we kind of keep the mentality, like just keep it simple and, and keep quality high. People are going to love it. Um, you know, we, we have the, the benefit of that. We do have some of these really old, just German style classic cookies. Um, and there's there's a beauty in simplicity, and I think people appreciate that, um, especially in food. And it's interesting because we've been doing it that way for a long time, but it's kind of coming back around, right? This idea of like a clean label or whatever that might be, yeah. um, you know. So it, it's just keep it simple. It's got to be thin. It's got to be crisp, right? So where there's been that conversation of when's the chewy line coming out? I'm like, yeah, it's just not us. You know, <laughs> it's just not who we are. <laughs> Buy another cookie. Uh, we're thin. We're crisp. That's how we do it. And, you know, if, if it's not thin and crisp, it's not matter fine. Yeah, legit. Absolutely legit. Um, so I got I got two more questions for you. Oh, the real questions, the, the real questions. Uh, so small business owners, and you said that, you know, you're great in the marketplace, but, you know, you're tiny, um, have discovered like hidden talents. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? So, you know, you, you mentioned earlier the you know, coding background and all. What? other talents do you, you know, most likely like utilize in your, your day to day in the shop? Like I'm, I know nothing about web design, but I've done some web design for this podcast journey in these 13 years. I know nothing about like doing like a Google analytics, but I got to learn. So, so tell me about that. You nailed it though. It's adaptability, right? It's just, um, seeing what challenges ahead of you and just solving it because there is no choice a lot of times, right? I mean, it's just, it's sink or swim, right? I mean, you know, it's, um, so, you know, I think adaptability is huge and being prepared and man, COVID has turned all of us into, um, it's just the new normal. And so I remember when COVID first began, it was like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Like, I can't, like there's supply chain issues, like, but you just learn that, you know, that's a potential that's going to happen today. Um, and we're going to overcome it and it's going to be fine. Uh, and I think that's the mentality you have to have of just, you know, keep your head down, don't panic and just keep swimming. Um, but as far as hidden talents, I think, I think being personable, um, I think that's something that, uh, I, I, I've learned can get me really far and just talking with people and being treating humans like humans. Um, so you know, it's, it's even just understanding that again, we go back to employees, right? I mean, employees have lives like, you know, it's, and, and you can't just be this, uh, a tyrant. You have to understand like, Hey, I, I have three kids. I know what it's like to get out the door in the morning. If you're late, all right, let's have a conversation about it. You know, like let's, let's really understand what that problem is. Let's try to solve, solve yeah. it at the root level. Um, it can, it can be so powerful. So Absolutely. Powerful. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I think, you know, two things I, I want to throw out there. Like, I, I think with, you know, some of the things that we've seen, we, we've, we've cut the strings of we've gotten into the spot due to social media, due to email. We don't want to have those conversations. And that's why for me doing this, like when I first started doing this podcast, it was the like height of COVID, the very beginning that we didn't know what we were doing. And people were craving to have that connection, be able to talk to someone versus email or what have you. And I was like, let's make it video because that's a richer conversation. And prior to it, like I started this like a few months before COVID actually like happened and we were shut down. I couldn't get an interview. Now I'm just like, as I told you earlier, I have like six today. <clears throat> so 
I think, yeah, being personal, being able to connect and, and being able to to grow things out and just communicating, I think, through how we've been using social media and all of that stuff, that we kind of lost some of those normal parts of conversational conversation. Mm-hmm. Like we've been less conversational. We've been less conversationalist. We're just going to, I need this thing and not the connective tissue that gets you in that spot and being able to hold a conversation. And I try to you know, there's certain things I want to get out of these interviews and all, but also I try to keep it as close to a conversation as possible. And secondly, when it comes to the supply chain stuff, I think I, I saw I saw recently this this uh, uh this information about like the restaurant industry, and it was showing like the cost of certain things and how they've gone up. So like oil, for instance, like olive oil has gone up like two hundred percent, and we're not seeing that as a menu item. It's something mm-hmm. to be used and making a litany of different things. But, you know, you go to a place, people aren't considering those things. Oh, why is, why are things so expensive? Well, the cost to actually make it has gone up. Yeah. And that's part of that whole missing piece that people don't get. And until it was in this chart, I think it was like from NPR or something, it showed like all of these things have gone up, but then like chicken is kind of the same or what have you. But some of these things that are worked into the process of making this dish that you don't see as a line item on the menu or on the receipt are now more expensive. And Mm -hmm. I imagine like, you know, that's the thing to consider as if you mess up a batch or something like, damn it, we gotta get some more eggs or whatever the thing is, you know, people aren't seeing those things. They just want that end result. It's not, Hey, here's some eggs, sugar and all of the other stuff. It's like, here's these cookies and this is whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is the last uh, real question I have for you. So your business has been around for more than 140 years. And you've not, but your business has been around for more than 140 years. Uh, could you share with me like like the feeling of being, and I'm saying this, you know, so so people, you know, take shots at me, if you will. Being Baltimore's cookie, like being a brand that's synonymous with Baltimore. What are the feelings that are associated with that and the thoughts that are associated with that? I think I'm on the humble side. Um, and I think that when I step out of the forest, I see it better. Um, you, you know, I feel it most when, um, up until COVID I, I worked artscape, you know, I, I think it's really important to, to be there. Right. And it's one of my favorite events to work for a lot of different reasons. Um, but that's when you feel it the most. Right. And so, you know, it, it makes you really proud to be around those people and, and really get to interact because I don't often interact directly with that consumer. And so, you know, there's things like social media and things like that, that, yeah, you hear, um, you hear a lot of these things, but again, a lot of it is just kind of been baked into the cake and kudos to my dad at, you know, just for keeping his head down and just, uh, that wasn't his goal. Yeah. It was just, he had a great, a great product and, um, you know, just turned it into something that Marilyn fell in love with. And so I appreciate that so much. And it's something we talk about a lot, um, you know, in the same way that, uh, you you take cookies to other places too. Like it's 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 neat to have people discover them for the first time. We get that email I don't know, multiple times a week of holy moly! Like I've never <laughs> heard of these things. This is amazing, yeah. and it's the best feeling in the world. I mean, it it gives you so much purpose in what you're doing, and it it it, uh, it makes it a lot easier to get up the next day and, and go in and deal with whatever those little issues are. Um, at work. So it's, it's certainly, we're certainly proud of it. We're conscious of it, but I think it was, I try to take the humble approach of, yeah, we like being in the position we're in and we're really proud of it, but let's just keep doing what we're doing. You know, it's, uh, that's how we got here. And I think that's going to be the best way to stay here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm glad you're being humble because I won't be. I'm going to be like a wrestling promoter. <laughs> Here's the thing, Ben Audubon, baby. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just do the whole thing. The chocolate chip master. Um, so that's kind of the, the end of the, the the real questions. And I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Nothing too intense. There's five of them. Don't overthink yeah. them. Uh, all right. So this one people have been having a lot of trouble with recently. I think it's a simple question. Um, you don't have to think of favorite, favorite, but, you know, a movie that you dig. What is your favorite movie? Gosh, I don't watch a whole lot of movies. Or the last movie you watched. The last movie you watched then. Last movie I watched was I rewatched The Exorcist with my wife now until long ago. Phenomenal film. Okay. I wish I could watch it again for the first time uh, and get that feeling again. That's favorite. I've never seen The Exorcist. Wow, Rob. We should get together and I can live vicariously through you and so you can see it for the first time. <laughs> okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> All um, right, man. So. Um, let's see. I know it's like picking a favorite child, right? What is your go-to flavor of the Autobahn cookies? What is your favorite? I know it's like uh, picking a favorite child. I know. Yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> this one's really easy for me. I'm a ginger fan. Um, it is our third or fourth bestseller, um, depending on the time of year. Yeah. But it's so simple. It's so good. It's full of spice. It is the chocolate chip's good, don't get me wrong. But there's a complexity <laughs> about the ginger cookie that just it's good. It's delicious. Yeah, it's like, oh, the, the, you know, while they're good, the Philistines enjoy the chocolate chip. More of a fine palate enjoys the ginger cookie. <laughs> there I'm, you go. I would imagine it pairs very well with like those seasonal beers as well. Like some oh, of those yeah. spicy joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, this this one is this is a little booky. Um, next to actually a little booky. Uh, do do you speak another language? And I would I would assume so that you know it may be a few phrases in another language. Um, if so, answer it in that language. Uh, I don't speak no. I mean, I could I can I can paddle my way through some Spanish, but it's uh, no, nothing I use very often. Okay, I thought you were going to throw something German out there real quick. I was like, okay, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. It's a tough language. Lastly, um, this is the weirdest question I have here. What would be a good spy name for you? Hmm. Like a spy code name. I may have been talking to a conductor earlier and he said, eh, people would try to name it the maestro, but he's like, I hate that. But yeah, it's probably the maestro. <laughs> I don't know, man. The quiet cookie. There you go. The quiet cookie. <laughs> okay. <I'm gone. laughs> the quiet cookie. I like it. I like it. <laughs> He just puts a silencer on no, a silencer that's made out of cookie dough. I don't. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> so that's pretty much all the questions that I have today. I, I thank you for being on this podcast and um, and just indulging me. Um, so with that, I, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, where to check out Autobahn Cookies, all of that great stuff. So please, the floor is yours. Absolutely. So uh, best spot is your your local grocery store uh, as long as you're in the the Maryland area. Um, but if you're not, if you're not local, um, otterbindscookies.com and send them to you. We're pretty good at getting them there without breaking them. I know they're super fragile, but we are professional. Uh, so that's going to be uh, the best way and to share with friends and family. That's always the best way too. And website real quick for the folks that want to make that order. Otterbindscookies.com. So there you have it, folks. I want to thank again, Ben Otterbein for coming on to the podcast and uh, spending a yarn with old Rob Lee. And I am Rob Lee for Ben Otterbein saying that there are, uh, are cookies, traditions in and around Baltimore. He's got to look for it. Mm-hmm.